Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My name is Eilish. My life is a nightmare because of my stepmom. She's a clean freak. The medical term for her condition is OCD. That is obsessive compulsive disorder. People with OCD become wildly obsessed with something. Some of them become fixated on cleaning their bodies. They wash their hands a thousand times a day. They shower a hundred times. Some people with OCD clean their houses in a compulsive manner. That, unfortunately, is exactly what my stepmom is obsessed with. She wants the house she lives in to be beyond clean. Because of my stepmom's condition, I have routine chores when I get back home from school. They're all about cleaning. Every day, I mop the floors. Then I wipe down the walls. For each room, I use different scented cleaning solutions. When my stepmom comes home from work, she checks every spot I cleaned one by one. She sniffs around to see if I used the correct cleaning solution. If she sees a tiny speck of dirt, she wants me to clean the whole house again. So I get really stressed during these routine checks. If she can't see any issues, she says, Even though you are no good, you did everything just like I wanted you to. But this is not all you. You can only do this because I trained you so well. Otherwise, you could never pull it off on your own. My dad married this woman three years ago. I was living with my grandma at the time. When my grandma passed, I had no choice but to move in with my dad. One day, my dad said to me, I can't take care of you on my own. I have to get married for your sake. You need a mother. I disagreed. I'm not a kid anymore. I can take care of myself, I said to him. But he didn't listen to me. He abruptly went and married his colleague, Anna. My mom died while giving birth to me. She had epilepsy, so her body had never been particularly strong. Doctors told her that pregnancy might be especially dangerous, but my mom didn't listen to them. She passed away during labor without even meeting me. All I have left from my mom is this photo. Thanks to this, I know what my mom's face looked like, and I can see her in my dreams. I often visit her grave, too. I talk to her. If there's an important decision I need to make, I always ask her about it. Then she comes into my dream and tells me what she thinks. This may sound weird to you, but I really believe my mom communicates with me through dreams. My dad and stepmom work at a frozen pizza factory. My dad is in the purchasing department while my stepmom is the accounting manager. I heard them fighting one night. My dad was talking about going to jail. Their door was ajar. 
I tried to peek in and understand what was going on. My dad was yelling, I did this because you wanted me to. Why do you want me to take the blame now? You are as responsible for this as I am. Shedding crocodile tears, my stepmom replied, Why should we both go to jail? Who's going to take care of our daughter? You need to take the blame yourself for Eilish's sake. My dad looked down in silence. At that moment, I knew that he had accepted this to keep me safe. One week later, I found out about all the details. My stepmom had committed invoice fraud, so the records showed purchased goods that my dad in fact had not purchased for the factory. My stepmom then transferred payments for those goods into her own bank accounts. This is how they misappropriated the company's funds. But somehow, someone figured it out. Detectives began to look into the company records. When my stepmom figured out that they were going to get caught, she convinced my dad to take the blame. In his court deposition, my dad said, My wife doesn't know anything. I tricked her. I'm the only one who's guilty here. The court gave my dad six years in prison for embezzlement. I was incredibly angry at my stepmom, but I couldn't do anything. I had no relatives I could go to. On paper, I did have a mother, but only because Anna was married to my dad. I couldn't seek shelter at a children's home. I had no choice but to live with her. My stepmom was now home all day. Previously, I would clean before she came home from work, but now she was constantly saying, don't go to school, clean the house. Everything's so dirty, I feel like I'm going to choke. After a while, I had to leave school for good. Now I was getting up in the morning and cleaning until midnight. Normally, I dream of my mom at least one day a week, but during that time, she visited me every night in my dreams. She wouldn't talk to me, she just gestured for me to come to her. Obviously, she wanted me to visit her grave, but it was impossible for me to leave the house. My stepmom kept showing me spots to clean around the house. If I was gone for five minutes, she would start yelling and screaming. One morning, I mustered up the courage to say, I want to visit my mom. I'll be back in a couple of hours. My stepmom burst out laughing. No offense, but I think your mom's bones must have completely decomposed by now. Why do you want to see her grave? That's not your mom. It's just a stone with your mom's name on it, she replied. I was really upset. I began to cry. My stepmom showed me the door, saying, Go cry outside. You're ruining the house with your dirty teardrops. I ran outside. I had completely lost control. I kept running and sobbing at the same time. Normally, I go to the cemetery by bus. That day, I ran for nearly two hours without stopping. Finally, I reached the cemetery. I hugged my mom's gravestone. No, you're not just a stone. You're my dear mom, I mumbled between sobs. At that second, I heard a sound like a whistle. It was coming from up above. When I looked up, I saw a red object zooming down towards the ground. It came closer and closer until it landed about 30 feet from me and sank into the ground. A hole had formed at that spot, and smoke was coming out of it. As I walked closer, I realized that it was the heat that made the object seem red to me. As it cooled down, it turned into a green rock. It wasn't very big, almost the size of a small turtle. I was staring at the rock, trying to figure out what it was. The only explanation I could come up with was that this was a meteorite. It was a fireball that came from outer space. I always thought they looked just like regular rocks, but this one was bright green. I was too curious not to touch it, even though I knew that was a dangerous thing to do. It was still hot, but not hot enough to burn my hand. It was perfectly smooth. 
Perhaps it had spent years traveling around space before entering the Earth's orbit and finally landing right next to me. A small piece had separated from the rock due to impact. I held it up into the sunlight. It looked like a diamond, but I didn't think there were any diamonds in space. Plus, diamonds are clear. This rock, on the other hand, was green. I went back to my mom's grave. Even though you're far away, you always take care of me. I don't know what to do with this meteorite, but I'm sure this was the reason why you called me here, I said. Then I dug a hole in my mom's grave and buried the rock in it. The small piece from the meteorite was in my pocket. I had to go and find out what it was. I could look it up online, but I'd left my phone at home. How was I going to go and get it back while my stepmom was at home? I had an idea. I picked up some dirt from my mom's grave and filled my pockets. When I came home, my stepmom leapt to her feet. Her eyes flashed with anger. You went to see your mom's bones, didn't you? Didn't I tell you not to go? She screamed. Without saying anything, I took out some dirt from my pocket and sprinkled it on the floor. She looked around, bewildered. What are you doing? Stop ruining my house! She yelled. I ran into the kitchen. I threw a handful of soil up in the air. I did the same in all the other rooms and finished all the soil that I took from my mom's grave. As I was going to my room, my stepmom had already begun mopping the floors, crying. My house is ruined. It's filthy. Because of her condition, she felt compelled to deep clean the house. I picked up my phone. I packed a few of my things in a small suitcase. I walked past my stepmom as I was leaving. She was deliriously trying to clean the floors. Eilish, come here. Clean up your mess. Help me. She cried, but I obviously did not stop. I slammed the door behind me and left. I sat down on a park bench and started doing some research online. Nothing came up when I searched for green meteorite. So I searched for green gemstone. When I clicked on the images, I saw that they definitely looked like my meteorite. Finally, I figured out that mine was a gemstone called jadeite. It was the second most expensive gemstone in the world. Blue diamond was at the top of the list. A one carat blue diamond was worth $4 million. Jadeite had the second spot and it was worth $3 million. Then I looked up the definition of a carat. 10 carats were equal to 2 grams. If the small piece of rock that I was carrying with me weighed 20 grams, then that meant I was carrying $300 million in my pocket right now. My heart skipped a beat. I mumbled to myself, since the meteorite in my mom's grave is much bigger, I'm a billionaire. Using another stone, I divided the rock in my pocket into even smaller parts. No jeweler would buy a precious stone worth $300 million from a teenager. It wasn't that difficult to sell one of the smaller pieces. When the jeweler examined the stone, he said, I've never seen such a flawless jadeite in my life before handing me my money. <laughs> Apparently, jadeite is so expensive because it is very rare. But in space, asteroids that are made of diamonds or precious stones like this exist. There are even space mining companies that take advantage of these. Even if it's a super rare event, asteroid pieces like mine do fall onto Earth. I had a billion-dollar meteorite fall next to me, and the only reason I happened to be there at that moment was my dear mom. I had become a billionaire. When you have so much money, you can do anything you like. I bought myself a huge mansion. I had a safe installed in my bedroom. I put the meteorite, my mom's biggest gift to me, inside that safe. Now I simply cut off a piece of it whenever I need money. With one of those pieces, 
I bought the frozen pizza factory that my dad and my mom used to work at. As the owner of the factory, I withdrew all the allegations towards my dad. I hired a great team of lawyers and pretty soon got my dad out of prison. My dad and I live together now. I haven't seen my stepmom since. My dad went to her house to get the divorce papers signed. He said nothing had changed in regard to her condition. But now she had to do all the cleaning herself since I wasn't around anymore. She said some horrible things about me at first. When she found out that I was a billionaire, her attitude suddenly shifted. I will get help. Bring our beautiful daughter home. Let's be a happy family again, she begged. My dad would have none of it. You ruined my life. Thankfully, my daughter saved me from prison. And now I'm saving myself from you, he said. By the way, I think I forgot to tell you. The house I bought is very close to my mom. I visit her every morning. I take my time talking to her. She comes to me at nighttime in my dreams to answer my questions. She's my guardian angel. I love her more than anything. (laughs) Hello, everyone. My name is Susie, and I will tell you what it feels like to not taste anything at all. I never thought that that was possible in real life, but it turns out that it can happen to anyone. But first things first. It happened one spring day. My older sister and I were cycling in a park not far from our house. In general, I can ride a bike very well, and apart from that, I have quite significant experience in it. I've been cycling since I was six years old, but something went wrong that day. I wanted to show my sister how skillfully I could get from the curb to the road on a bicycle, but because of the wet road, the wheels began to slip and my bike fell down along with me. I could not manage to control the movement of the bike, so I collapsed to the ground and hit my head on the curb really hard. My sister, Melody, immediately rushed to me, but I lost consciousness. I came to my senses a few days later in the hospital. My head was bandaged, and there were a lot of sensors and doctors around. My mom was also present, and when I opened my eyes, she couldn't hold back her tears. It turned out that I had quite a serious head injury, which really scared all my loved ones. That day, it seemed like the worst was over because I finally woke up, but in fact, my biggest ordeal was yet to come. My mom, being happy that I was recovering, wanted to feed me with some tasty homemade food. As soon as the doctors gave the green light for her to do it, mom rushed home to bake my favorite strawberry tart. And finally, the long-awaited piece of tart was in my hand, and I was eagerly taking a bite of it. But suddenly, I faced a terrible disappointment. I couldn't taste anything at all. Then everything was like what you'd see in a movie. My mom was sobbing a lot, doctors were fruitlessly examining me and trying to find the reason for this, and I was crying into my pillow every night so that no one could see it. It turned out that when I fell down and got a head injury, some neural connections in my brain were damaged and I lost the sense of taste. Doctors were shrugging and saying that it would take some time and more thorough examination was required. Although since then, a little more than a year has passed and I still can't taste anything. It makes my life unbearable and gloomy. I do not enjoy the food that I eat at all. As a result, I have a poor appetite. I lost weight and started having problems with my immune system due to the lack of vitamins. Doctors prescribe me a bunch of dietary supplements, which I always have to carry with me and take some of them on an empty stomach and others after meals. My classmates began to make fun of me because in the school cafeteria, I always had a pile of bottles with me. 
But then they found out that I couldn't taste anything and began to make experiments on me, adding a heap of salt or chili pepper to my food. My life began to seem dark and gloomy to me. I became more withdrawn and did not want to talk to anyone. There were days when I did not want to go to school at all, and I came up with various pretexts to stay at home. My performance worsened, although before I had always gotten good grades. In short, it seemed to me that the whole world was falling apart around me, and this was all because I had lost the sense of taste. At such moments, only reading could save me. I prepared a large cup of hot tea for myself, sat down by the window with a pile of books, and plunged into the unreal fantasy world to escape from my earthly problems. Yes, I did not sense the taste of tea, but it made me feel warm. Once, quite an ordinary morning began as always, with the bullying of classmates, but suddenly something happened that deeply struck me. One of my abusers, his name was Michael, suddenly began to intercede for me. Before that, Michael was absent from school for several days. Why is he protecting me? What happened? Before, he used to mock me, just like everyone else did. These questions were spinning in my mind like flies, but I couldn't find an answer to them. It even seemed to me that he had some tricky plan for me to get my guard down and then hurt me again three times harder. A week had passed since that day and none of my classmates were bullying me any longer. I was so used to being an outcast and a loser in our class that at first it felt totally weird that no one offended me. Later, Michael came up to me and asked to go to the end of the corridor behind the stairs where it was possible to talk face to face where no one could hear us. Well, finally, I thought and followed him. Michael said that he had been absent because he had a sore throat, so he needed to take sick leave. When he was ill, he wasn't able to taste anything for several days, and during this time, he understood how horrible my condition was. He felt ashamed that he had been mocking me and realized that it was not my fault that I suffered from this ailment. He asked me to forgive him and said that he knew how to help me restore my sense of taste, but for this, he needed a little time. After this conversation, I started hoping that I would become like everyone else again. My mood improved, I began to smile more often, and I felt a desire to live. About a month passed since I had that talk with Michael, and he invited me to go behind the stairs again to have a word with me. There, he showed me a small vial with green liquid inside. When I asked what it was, he replied that it was a healing potion, which his grandma, who was a healer, prepared specially for me. Michael said that I should drink it exactly at midnight and then immediately go to bed without talking to anyone. Although I never believed in healers, I did everything as he said. When I opened my eyes in the morning, I immediately rushed to the fridge to try something and see if I could taste anything again. The first thing I found was a watermelon. I eagerly bit off a huge chunk, but then I was disappointed because everything remained the same. At school, I told Michael that the potion had not helped me, but he comforted me and assured me that I had to wait and the effect might not occur right away. I fastened on the hope, catching it like a lifeline, and just started waiting. I believed with all my heart and soul that the sense of taste would surely return to me again. But soon, a miracle happened. One of my classmates gave me candy. I took it reluctantly because I still didn't get any pleasure from it, but I didn't want to offend her. Without much enthusiasm, I unwrapped it and bit off a piece and instantly sensed the taste of milk chocolate in my mouth. I could not believe it and started eating more and more of it. Now, I don't know what helped me get my sense of taste back. This could be thanks to the potion given by the healer, my faith, or because of positive thinking. 
Whatever the truth, with the returning of taste to my life, it acquired fresh colors. I felt complete again. I wanted to study and achieve my goals. This situation showed me that those who we consider our enemies are not always soulless and cruel. Sometimes they're just ordinary humans who are under the thumb of others and they do not want to stand out from the crowd. Apart from that, I realize that not every diagnosis is a verdict. How important is your taste for you? Have you ever thought about its role in our lives? Share your answers in the comments. Click the thumbs up button and subscribe to the channel to stay with us. I later found out the full picture of what really happened. It turned out that Mike and Dean had a bet. Mike claimed that all the rumors about me were just fabrications, that I didn't really have any supernatural powers. That's nonsense, Mike said. She probably made it up herself, so no one would pick on her. Okay, let's assume that, Dean answered. Then let's do this. You sneak up on her and touch her arm. Mike tensed up a little. Though he was skeptical, he didn't want to test the rumors on himself. However, the conversation was taking place in the presence of other boys, so the challenge had to be accepted. Okay, I'll do it, Mike muttered uncertainly. Dean smiled wryly. And finally, I show up in this story. It happened at recess. I was getting the books I needed out of my locker when I felt someone touch my arm, just below my shoulder. I flinched in surprise. See, nothing happened, Mike said to the crowd of onlookers. He took a few steps away from me before he slipped and landed on the floor. Hi, my name is Kim, and I'm used to these things. Another non-believer became a victim of his own arrogance, and then paid the ultimate price. Tragedy and comedy. It's all your fault! It's all you! Shouted Mike to Dean, lying on a medical stretcher with a brace around his neck. Dean shrugged guiltily, as if to say, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Here's what happened. About 10 minutes before it happened, the cleaning lady was mopping the floors, and she put up a sign in the hallway that said, Caution! Wet floor! But for some unknown reason, the sign disappeared. And Mike, thinking that destiny had no power over him, paid for this delusion with a broken neck. <laughs> Poor guy, I thought. That must have hurt. As Mike was being taken by paramedics to the hospital, Dean still couldn't calm down. Did you see him collapse? <laughs> Hilarious! Everyone around me laughed quietly. I went straight to Dean. The guys, seeing me coming, quickly took off, leaving Dean alone. He tried to act all manly, but there was tension and nervousness in his voice. He was clearly uncomfortable standing next to me. Ah, Miss Misfortune, he chuckled. Do you think it's funny? Your friend broke his neck, and you're not even ashamed. It wasn't my fault. I told him to expect trouble if you touched Kim, but he didn't believe me, and that was the result. I wanted to give him a good slap in the face, but I decided to do something different. Anyway, it's your fault. A victim of a science experiment. Oh yeah? <laughs> well then, watch out. Before Dean knew what was happening, I grabbed his arm. The guy froze and didn't move at first, and then, when he realized what had just happened, he let out a wild scream. Ah! No, not again! Why did you do that? Now I'm screwed! Nothing. Just don't cross the road and don't walk under any windows so nothing will fall on your head. And you better stay away from the dogs. Panic overtook Dean. He looked around in panic, waiting for something awful to happen. 
the miss-misfortune effect worked differently every time. Sometimes it could take a while. Dean tried to figure out what to do, and he decided he had to run. Forgetting all about the classes, he ran out into the street and disappeared. I went back to my chemistry class. The curse. That's what I called my ability. The starting point of my misfortunes was my sixth birthday. I don't know what exactly happened then. Maybe it was the magnetic waves or the radioactive substances in the cake. But the following day, the first incident occurred. I hugged Dad as usual, and he, five minutes later, fell down the stairs, nearly breaking everything. Then the curse reached Mom. A hairdryer caught fire right in her hands and burned part of her hair. Thankfully, the flames didn't damage her skin. After a series of mutilations and troubles, my parents realized it wasn't an accident. It was me. It was hard to live without my mother's and father's touch, as if I was in an orphanage. The same story continued at school. I was more careful now, aware of the power within me, but it was impossible to avoid being touched forever. So after a few unpleasant incidents, I was nicknamed Miss Misfortune. Now everyone knew to stay away from me. I accepted my fate and the fact that I would die alone, like in a Charles Dickens novel, surrounded by spiders and cats. One good thing about all this was that no bully ever dared to hurt me. But on the other hand, I never had a boyfriend, because everyone knew how it could end. I didn't believe in miracles, right up until Liam showed up. His parents moved to our town, and he started going to the same school I went to. I don't know how to describe it. I guess I just fell in love. The very first day, as soon as he walked into class, Liam was looking around for an empty seat, and the teacher said he could sit next to me. I flared up and turned red as a tomato. My classmates started whispering, Oh, poor kid gets to sit with Miss Misfortune. We won't see him again. It didn't bother me much. I tried not to look at Liam at the time and pretended I didn't care. They could have Johnny Depp sitting next to me. I couldn't care less. Liam sat down, turned toward me, and held out his hand. I'm Liam. What's your name? I didn't shake it, just looked at the guy sideways. I'm Kim. Cool, he said, and turned back to the board. I rarely saw Liam, mostly in biology and math class, sometimes in the cafeteria. Each time I blushed and could barely get out a high, Liam would smile broadly and ask me how I was doing. I thought he'd figure out what was wrong with me. Rumors about me were spreading all over the school. So, for instance, everyone immediately thought I was getting back at Dean. Remember when I touched him as payback for him deciding to make fun of Mike? Dean ran home from school and locked himself in his room. His parents tried to get in, but he wouldn't open the door. Just screamed that it was the end of him. Dean's parents freaked out and finally broke down the door. The kid was sitting in the corner with his chin on his knees, rocking back and forth, mumbling something quietly. Diagnosis? A nervous breakdown. Yes, sometimes my ability doesn't work literally, but Liam thought all this talk about me was just school gossip. I mean, people say odd things about others. I was glad he didn't believe what they were saying. But on the other hand, I was afraid it might end in tragedy. The situation became more complicated when Liam asked me out one day. I wanted to say no, but I just couldn't. He was the first guy who'd ever shown any interest in me. I should have told him the truth, that he was in danger, but I didn't say anything. In the evening, we went to the amusement park. I took every precaution I could. I wore a sweatshirt with long sleeves. I even put my mother's gloves on my hands. 
I looked ridiculous and weird. Are your hands cold? Liam asked me as soon as I left the house. Yeah, I answered, trying to avoid the subject. My aunt is the same way. She wears gloves all the time. I smiled stupidly and we walked to the park. Surprisingly, we had a great time. Riding the wheel, Liam won a teddy bear in a throwing contest and gave it to me. I struggled to carry the huge toy around with both hands. It kept slipping out of my hands. Without the gloves, which were noticeably too big for me, it would have been much more comfortable. I had to risk it. Liam saw that I was about to drop the bear. He decided to pick it up and carry it himself. <sighs> and that's when he touched my hand. I dropped the bear and said, I'm sorry, I ruined it. Tears came to my eyes. What's the matter? Liam was clueless. I didn't want to see anyone else get hurt because of me. So without another word, I ran away. Liam wanted to catch up with me, but I'd already disappeared into the crowd. The next day, I found out that he was taken away by an ambulance that night. Turns out he got a severe food poisoning. It was the third victim of my curse this month. Like Dean, I locked myself in my room and didn't come out for a long time. Maybe I should never be around people at all, I thought, trying to somehow figure myself out. But for my parents, there was only one excuse for not going to school death. So even though I felt terrible, I had to go to class. I was always treated with suspicion, but this time the level of paranoia was off the charts. No one came within a few meters of me. Moreover, I noticed some tension even in the behavior of the teachers. I found out later that Mike and Dean were responsible for the boycott. Maybe it wasn't nice what I did to Dean, but I didn't want to hurt Mike. I guess that's how the hurt effect works. No one wanted to figure anything out. I was, by default, the case of every misfortune that happened under the roof of that goddamn school. <sighs> Dad tried to reassure me. Honey, don't pay any attention to them. Yes, my mother said. Children are so cruel. I knew they were cruel, but what am I supposed to do? They didn't have an answer to that question. As usual, I was left alone with my own curse. Sometimes it seemed to me that there were witches in our bloodline, and this was the punishment for terrorizing people in some small town. But I'm not a witch. I can't turn people into toads. I don't make magic potions. I'm just an ordinary girl who, for some unknown reason, has a very unusual ability. Liam was released from the hospital a week later. I was dreading seeing him. What would he say? Would he break up with me? Of course he would. There was not a single positive thought in my head at the time. How could he stay with me after that first date? What would have happened if we became a couple? What if he would kiss me? It's scary to even imagine. They might as well launch me into space to keep me away from all the people I could hurt. I ran into Liam in the hallway. He came up to me with a smile that never left his face and said, Hey, our first date didn't end very well. Maybe we could try again. I couldn't believe my ears. And you're not afraid that one day a brick might fall on your head? No, why should I be? Then, to my surprise, he took my hand and walked me to class. I expected the worst, but nothing happened to Liam that day or the next day. My curse was gone, just like in the fairy tale of Beauty and the Beast. All I had to do was wait for a man who would truly love me. It took me a long time to get used to the fact that I could hug my mother. I could hold Liam's hand as I walked. True love really can do anything.
What would you do if every time you touched someone, it brought them bad luck? Write your answers in the comments, like the video, and share it with your friends. Hi everyone, my name is Caroline, and I was homeless until the moment when billionaires took me to live in their luxurious mansion. Wondering how that happened? Stay tuned. One cold fall evening, I was trying to find money for food. Well, or just food, I didn't care. Ask me how it happened that I became homeless? Well, my parents died a couple of years ago, and I couldn't live in an orphanage because the local kids abused me. At one point, I ran away, figuring the streets would be easier for me. That night, I couldn't find a cent on the street and had already resigned myself to starving. Suddenly, I saw a well-dressed woman on her way to the supermarket. I immediately ran up to her and tried to steal her purse. Believe me, it wasn't my first robbery. The street dictates its own rules. However, at that very minute, some guy was right next to us. He pushed me away. Get lost, tramp, or you'll be in trouble. He threatened me with his fist. I didn't want to confront him and ran away. Well, now I had no food and money. But the next day, I had a surprise. The woman I was trying to steal from found me outside the supermarket, handed me a full bag of food and a warm jacket. Thank you, but why? You're too good to me. I tried to rob you. I had tears of gratitude in my eyes. I know you had to do it because of the way you live. She smiled. What's your name? Caroline. And why are you on the streets at such a young age? I told her the story of my life. The woman wept and promised to help me. I expected her to give me some more warm clothes and a sleeping bag and lots of food. But what happened next didn't just shock me. It killed me. In a good way, don't worry. A woman arrived in a luxury car with her husband. At this time, I was eating a baguette, trying to stretch it out into the evening. Well, that's it, Caroline. You're coming to live with us now, said my savior and smiled. Wh what? I was so shocked. I choked on a piece of baguette. A girl like you shouldn't be living on the streets. We want to adopt you. Is that what you want too? She asked. Of course I said yes. And who wouldn't refuse in my place? On the way, I was modestly silent and terribly worried. And when we arrived, I was speechless. Now I'm going to live in a luxurious mansion, like a real castle. I was incredibly happy until I saw the guy defending my new mom. Oh, I forgot all about him. I bet he wouldn't be happy to have me in his house. Who the hell is she? He frowned at me as we got out of the car. Nick, this is your new sister, Caroline. We've decided to adopt her. Are you out of your mind? She's the tramp who tried to rob you, Mom. Nick, I get it, but it's my decision and your father's. We always wanted a second child, but you know yourself that we can't have any more. So get a normal kid from an orphanage. Nick, Caroline lives here now. Accept it, said the father sternly. Nick immediately calmed down. His father seemed to be an authority he didn't risk arguing with. The boy muttered something to himself and went into the house slamming the door loudly. Mr. and Mrs. Gilbert showed me my room, which I was absolutely delighted with. A huge bed, my own walk-in closet, lots of new and beautiful things, and a private bathroom. It's like heaven. I couldn't even dream of that. I immediately fell on my bed, 
and cried with happiness. Now I had a home and a family. I'm not alone. But I was having trouble with Nick. I tried to get through to him, but the guy was stubbornly ignoring me. But what pissed Nick off the most was that his best friend had found common ground with me. Brian was a nice young man. He treated me like a regular girl, even though he knew I was from the streets. He helped me study. When my parents hired teachers to homeschool me, he talked to me and even taught me how to play PlayStation. And then one day, I overheard an unpleasant conversation. How can you socialize with that tramp? Nick asked angrily. She's normal. It's your sister. She's not my sister. She's the trash of society. I felt so hurt by those words. I couldn't hold back my tears. I went down to the living room and stared at a picture on the wall for a long time. I really liked the painting. I couldn't help myself, so I went and touched it. If you touch it again, you're out of the house. Nick threatened me when he came in. What? If I find you stole something or invited your tramp friends over, I'm not going to be nice to you. I'll throw you all out. I don't want to steal anything. For the first time, I decided to stand up for myself. I'm not what you think I am. And you'd know that if you weren't such a jerk. We would have kept fighting, but my parents came back. They gave me an expensive phone with a bunch of diamonds on it. Nick just snorted and went back to his room. And I was as happy as a baby. The next day, I decided to take a little walk. It was a beautiful day. I was listening to music on my phone when suddenly I was stopped by some vagrants with whom I used to feud. The thing is, I've always been on my own and a lot of people didn't like it. Seeing me in my new clothes and with a cool new phone like this, the tramps just jumped on me without a word, stealing all my money, phone, and even my new jacket. They did me bad and I sat down on the pavement and cried. How bad I felt. But then help came from somewhere I didn't expect. Nick was there. He helped me up and asked me what happened to me. When he heard about the tramps, he called his friends to deal with my abusers. Honestly, my heart almost stopped when Nick and his friends fought the vagrants. The guys took my stuff back and we ran from the cops, laughing for some reason. Nick, thank you so much. I hugged him. You're the best brother ever. The guy blushed and didn't say anything back, but I wasn't offended because his actions were more eloquent than words. When we got home, mom was shocked to see a battered Nick. He brushed it off and said it was okay. My father, on the other hand, was not happy about it. The thing is, my adoptive parents are billionaires and reputation is very important to them. They were afraid of any scandal. So they raised Nick in a strict manner to keep him out of trouble. Nick got very angry when his father told him off. So I decided to console my brother. As it turned out, it pissed Nick off that he lived in a rich family in the first place. You see, money is a weapon to reach some goals, but it's not about happiness. My dad wants me to carry on his business and I want to be a doctor. And we fight about it all the time. I even felt sorry for Nick even though I didn't understand him. He had everything since he was a kid, but he doesn't appreciate it because it's not money that matters to him. It's the dream. If he lived in the street, he'd start appreciating everything he has. But then I realized what Nick meant. My father had arranged a business meeting at home with his partners, ordering Nick to attend. I could see that Nick wasn't interested at all. He even got hung up on the phone a few times. 
for which he received a stern reprimand from father. My father, very cleverly, without descending to insults, humiliated Nick. I felt really bad for my brother. So, I stood up for him. Dad smiled at me and said that I didn't understand anything and that he knew better how to make his son happy and more importantly, rich. Nick was touched that I stood up for him and for the first time, he called me sister and hugged me. Thank you. No one ever stood up for me, he said. I believe in you, Nick. Don't give up. Follow your dreams to the end. But I didn't think my words would have that effect on him. The thing is, that night, Nick ran away from home. He left a note in the living room, saying he'd rather be lonely and poor, but happy and free. My parents immediately pulled all the strings to find my brother, and my heart froze with fear. What if something happened to him? Then it would be all my fault. I was the one who encouraged him to follow his dream. Idiot! My parents couldn't sit still, so they went looking for Nick too. It didn't take us long to find my brother. He was surrounded by a gang of vagrants who wanted to get back at Nick for the last incident. They wanted to attack him in a group. We jumped out of the car right away, scared off all the vagrants and took Nick away. Son, that's not manly. You ran away like a coward. I ran away because I'm sick of you. I don't want to go into business. My goal is to help people and heal them. This argument went on all the way. At one point, Dad got so nervous, he lost control of the car. We hit a pole. Nick hit his head hard on the dashboard. My mom and I got scared. Dad seemed fine. My brother lost consciousness, and mom immediately dialed 911. What kind of misfortune is following us? Luckily, Nick wasn't seriously injured, but we were so scared for him. We cried in the room while they bandaged his head. I'm fine, don't worry, he smiled at us. It must have had some effect on my father and he mellowed. Nick, after all, was allowed to study to be a doctor. He was no longer bogged down with business meetings, which my brother hated so much. But there was another problem. You haven't forgotten about Nick's best friend, Brian, have you? Well, he confessed his feelings to me. I was speechless. I didn't see Brian as a boyfriend. He was a friend to me. Nick, on the other hand, was very concerned. He was against us dating. But why? Brian asked. She's my sister and you're my best friend. This is a bad idea. It wasn't so long ago that you didn't think of her as your sister. A lot has changed, Brian. I'm against it. I don't want her to be in a relationship right now and then suffer through a breakup or a fight. Caroline needs to study. Brian didn't like that. Then I had to get into a dialogue and explain to the guy that I wasn't interested in relationships yet. Brian got upset, but didn't insist on anything. Eventually, I got used to the luxurious life, and Nick became not just my brother, but my best friend, with whom I could talk to about anything. I'm glad this family came into my life. It's because of them that everything has changed for the better. Would you like to live in a billionaire family? Write your answers in the comments. I'd be interested to read them. Also, don't forget to share the video with your friends. Bye! It just can't be. My life has never been so similar to a bad Mexican soap opera. Is it a coincidence? I hopefully looked at my parents. No, Goldie, it's not a coincidence. He shared his blood with you. Oh no, I wish I was dead. 
Hi, my name is Goldie, and I just recently found out that my worst enemy saved my life. I have no one to blame for that accident except myself. What a stupid idea it was to ride a scooter when you have no idea how to operate it. But I lost my mind when I saw this beautiful thing of mine in the parking lot of the school, or rather, two of my beauties, a brand new scooter and my boyfriend, Duke. I have been dreaming of having an iron horse for years, and now Duke got me one for my birthday. I quickly jumped on it. My hands were on the rough black handles, and I almost screamed with happiness. I'll show you how to ride it. Duke promised, smiling happily, but I couldn't wait. I want to start it up. My boyfriend turned the ignition key, gripped the brake handle, and pressed the start button. The scooter's engine rumbled and it sounded like the most beautiful music in the world to me. Duke put his arm around my waist. I'll teach you how to ride it and we'll go for a spin. Why wait? I clutched the handle of the scooter with all my might and cranked it toward me. The iron horse took off at a speed far greater than I expected. After all, my boyfriend didn't skimp on the gift and chose the best and most powerful thing for his girlfriend. Goldie, look out! It was the last thing I heard before I flew out onto the road right under the wheels of a speeding car. That was how I ended up in a hospital bed. I was unlucky in one respect. I was not wearing any protection at all at the time of the accident, but I was lucky that the paramedics came fairly quickly. I lost a lot of blood, but my brain was intact, there were no broken bones, and I felt pretty good now, until I found out who helped me stay alive. After the accident, I urgently needed a blood transfusion, and once again, I was lucky. A suitable donor was found within hours after the information about the accident and the request for help had spread around the school. However, my parents and Duke shared the name of the donor with a rare blood type with faces that would have been more appropriate at a funeral. Here, my boyfriend handed me some papers. I ran my eyes over them and tripped over the most hated name in the universe. Sean Glams. It sounded like a verdict. My parents confirmed it wasn't a mistake or a coincidence. My worst enemy showed up at the hospital when he found out I needed blood and became a donor. Did you see him? I turned to Duke. He nodded. Yes, we ran into each other in the hallway. And? Was he gloating? You'd be surprised, but no. Jerk Sean was acting all sorrowful. Jerk Sean. That was the nickname by which all my family and friends knew Sean Glams. My war with Sean had been going on for exactly five years, ever since I transferred to a new school. And in those five years, the guy had proven himself to be a real jerk. He didn't like me right away. I got my ass kicked by that idiot as soon as I stepped into the building. At first, my parents laughed at Glam's antics, calling them odd signs of affection. But as time went on, the longer I went to Redwood High School, the less we joked about it. Jerkshawn used to bully me using the most elaborate means possible. He was irritated by my grades, my accomplishments in drama club, the car my dad drove me to school in, the friends I met on my first date, the handsome boyfriend who treated me so well. It was like Sean was angry that I existed. My parents tried to talk to Sean himself, to his parents, to the principal, but to no avail. The straight-A student and the face of the school was untouchable. 
The face. I would have called him something else. Why did he do it? I still couldn't figure it out. Goldie, what surprises you? Even an idiot like that can't walk past someone else's pain. That's right. Mom smiled. I bet he realized he wasn't being fair to you. Duke and I looked at each other, thinking the same thing. Sean Glamps came to his senses? Nonsense! Anyway, I gradually recovered, and within a few weeks, I was able to return to normal life. The class greeted me with applause. Yeah, congratulations to this arrogant fool for not ending her epic ride right in heaven. I was still angry at myself for my carelessness, but there was something else that was bugging me. I had to meet Sean and talk to him. I found my greatest enemy by the fountain in the schoolyard. He was flipping through his book, and when he saw me, he tried to duck out of it. Stop right there! We never really liked each other, but this time, my tone was so firm that he didn't argue, so he stayed where he was, looking down. I looked around, making sure no one could hear us, and asked, Why did you do that? What do you want? The guy looked at me with his angry eyes. I saw the paperwork. Why did you become a blood donor? You hate me, don't you? Sean was quiet for a minute, and then he blurted out, Don't be ridiculous. Do you think our fights are more important than a human's life? It just so happens that we have the same rare blood type. Those were the last words I was prepared to hear from this angry, jealous guy. Too bad he didn't think my ruined nerve cells were more important than our fights. Anyway, he did help me. As you can understand from the incident, I have always been a very emotional person. I was in that moment too, as I hugged a stunned Sean and whispered in his ear, Thank you so much, I owe you one. The boy wasn't lost for long. Quickly, he broke free of my embrace and left. But I don't forget a good deed that easily. I needed to do something sincere and big for my savior, like a thank you. And I had already thought of what it would be, but I'll tell you about it a little later because the story of the accident was getting more and more detailed. I still had to see the doctor once a week. Dr. Whiteman questioned me in detail about my well-being and studied the results of my tests. I felt fine. Only occasionally I complained about headaches. Everything is within normal limits. The doctor reassured me. The headaches will pass soon. The main thing is that the sensitive young man didn't hesitate to share his rare blood. Sensitive? I frowned. The nurse told me that he was not himself when he came to the hospital. Eyes frantic, handshaking, almost crying. Is he a close friend of yours? Closer than I thought, I muttered to myself. I couldn't even believe it. Was Sean really that worried about my life? What else could explain his strange behavior on the day he came to donate blood? After the hospital, I went to Duke's garage. My boyfriend liked to spend his time there, endlessly fiddling with his iron friends, his car, and motorcycle. It doesn't make sense. He shrugged when I repeated the doctor's words. Maybe Jerk Sean was upset about having to find a new victim. We laughed, but somehow sadly. Maybe he's not such a jerk? I said thoughtfully. Yeah, and I'm a distant relative of Barack Obama. We laughed again. That would have been nice. I hugged him and nodded at my scooter, which Duke was slowly restoring. How's it going? Pretty good. Almost no damage, just a bit of a problem with the brakes, but I'll fix that. 
We could joke all we wanted, but the fact remained that Sean had shown himself in a very different way this time, and I probably shouldn't call him a jerk anymore. After all, I wouldn't be able to hug my boyfriend and see my parents anymore without that jerk. So here was my plan. The first thing I did was go to the reporters of our school's YouTube channel. They of course were aware of my story and were happy to help. We filmed a short video that I was planning to show to the whole school at the year-end event. As always, on the last day of school, the entire Redwood school staff gathered in a huge auditorium to congratulate and award the very best students. Of course, no one could compete with Sean Glam's accomplishments, a straight-A student who created four terrific projects this year, the best in the city and the state. Sean took the stage to loud ovations. The principal shook the guy's hand, but I'd like to name one more, Mr. Glam's most important accomplishment this year. The principal nodded. The lights in the auditorium went out, and the video we shot with the reporters appeared on the huge screen. In my mini-interview, I talked about the complicated relationship that Sean and I had. Major enemies, pure hatred with no chance of a truce. But life decided to make adjustments. Who would have thought that one day, I would be able to thank Sean so sincerely, to thank him for anything at all? The video projection of me wiped away her tears and smiled but I'm so grateful to him for saving my life. Thank you, Sean. The video ended and the auditorium literally exploded with applause and enthusiastic shouts. Students and teachers chanted, thank you, Sean, while he stood in the middle of the stage, white as a ghost. His eyes wandered from one face in the crowd to the next. Then he turned to the principal as if seeking protection. And then he turned to me. I was sitting in the front row. Stop it. I read my savior's lips. Stop it! Come on, young man. The principal patted him on the shoulder encouragingly. You deserve it. Thank you, Sean. The crowd kept chanting. No. I thought Glams was going to cry. I felt uncomfortable. No, no. The cry of the best student silenced several hundred voices in an instant. We all stared at Sean, unsure of what had frightened him. I didn't save Goldie. That's not what happened. Stop it. You don't know anything. The guy stormed out and ran for the exit. He ran past me with a twisted look on his face. There was silence in the hall for a few seconds. I jumped up from my seat, nodded at the distraught principal, and went looking for Sean. I found my savior by the same fountain where we first met after my return from the hospital. Sean was sobbing so desperately that he didn't even notice me approaching. And when he did, he took a step to the side. Go away! I can't live with this anymore! With what, Sean? I don't understand. It's my fault! The guy sobbed again. The accident happened because of me! I felt like I was hit on the head with a dust bag as if the meaning of his words was making its way to me through a dense fog. I saw your stupid boyfriend bringing the scooter into the parking lot. He went off to look for you, and it was like I had lost my mind. I stood there staring at that damn scooter for ages, and then I went over and broke the brake lever. By the time I realized what I'd done, it was too late. But the accident wasn't because of a faulty brake. It was because I wasn't watching where I was going. I wasn't even thinking about slowing down. Of course, Sean was a monster, but he has already shown remorse for what he did, and I owe him my life. Do you think I should tell Sean what really happened, 
or should he continue to suffer from remorse? Leave your opinion in the comments. Your support is very important to me. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.